the people were experiencing a time of great conflict. In fact, at this point, there was a war going on between the Jews and the Romans inside of Rome. There was a rebellion that was occurring. Hmm. And the Hebrew writers writing to those Jews to encourage them uh, as Christians not to abandon Christianity and go back towards fighting for Judaism, but to stay faithful as Christians even in spite of the conflicts that were going on outside of the kingdom of God. Hmm. And so it writes right here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Hmm. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation of disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. You know, right here is that the reader or the writer of Hebrews is, is writing to this group of Jews, once again, who, who wanted to abandon Christianity and fight for their, their heritage or their people. He goes, hey guys, we've got to pay careful attention to the gospel message that was preached to us so that we do not drift away. Very interestingly, uh, there's a lot of scholars that believe that the writer of Hebrews was a sailor. Well, why do, we, why do we think that? Well, well, two of the words that's used right here in the Greek, I appreciate Elizabeth uh, um, bringing up the Greek. We're going to look at the Greek words right here. For the word uh, drift away, he uses the word perori, which has to do with sailing past your destination, sailing past the harbor that you're trying to get to and missing where you're trying to get. You're missing the harbor, missing the bay or wherever you're trying to park your boat. And, and so that's the that's the, the the term used for drifting away. The other word for pay most more careful attention is the word prosashan, which means to drop your anchor, to anchor down. And so he's saying, hey, we've got to be careful to anchor down and be rooted in the gospel so that we don't perorate, sail past our destination, miss the, the opportunity for us to go to heaven and ignore such a great mm. salvation. Mm. Go to Hebrews chapter 6. Come on, bro. Come on, Evan. In verse 19, once again, as a sailor, he brings up a word that's very familiar to sailors. In verse 19, he says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf, He's become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The title of our lesson this morning is Anchors for the Soul. Anchors for the Soul. He goes, guys, we have this hope as something that will help us to be anchored and rooted in the gospel so that we won't miss out on our destination, sail past the harbor so that we will not drift away. You know, I want to talk about five different anchors for our soul. Five different things that can help us be rooted in the gospel, be rooted in God, so that we as disciples do not drift away and miss out on this great opportunity to go to heaven. The first one we're going to start off in, in chapter 5, verse 1. Come on, bro. Come on, Evan. Chapter 5, verse 1. Bible says, Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin, he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. You know, right here as the Hebrew writer goes on, he goes, man, God had a great plan for Jesus to become our high priest. We remember that there was a high priest in the Old Testament, and that high priest's job was to sacrifice for the people's sins. And if you know anything about the, the Old Testament and the way that the temple was structured, literally the high priest would be called to go into the temple, not only just the temple, but the most holy place within the temple one time a year. And his job while he was in that most holy place 
that nobody could enter, nobody could go in the rest of the year, is that he was to make a sacrifice mm -hmm. on behalf of all the people. Now, what happened if the high priest went in when he wasn't supposed to go in? Oh. He died. Yeah. What happened if you weren't the high priest and you went in? <laughs> you died. What happened if the high priest did not sacrifice for his own sins prior to going in? You died. I mean, it was it was such a, a big deal to go into the most holy place. Literally, the high priest wore bells on his clothing. And they would literally tie a rope around him. In case he died, they could pull him out. <laughs> because the high priest died, you can't go send someone else in there or else they're going to die. <laughs> and so they would listen for the bells to stop ringing. And that meant that he stopped moving. And then they'd go, oh my gosh, he's dying. Let's pull him back out. But, but can you imagine if you were selected to be the high priest? How confident you had to be. That not man has called you, but that God has called you. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go in there if I didn't know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that God was calling me. And so our first point this morning is divine providence. Yeah. Divine providence. You know, I believe that God has a very specific plan for each and every person. Amen. We know scriptures like Jeremiah 29, 11. Mm -hmm. God has a plan for you. A purpose for you. Mm -hmm. Not to harm you, but a hope and a future mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. I, I believe that God has picked you. If you're a disciple, God has picked you. That doesn't mean that you didn't have a choice in the matter. But, but that God has purposed your life. That God has orchestrated your life. That God has called you into his kingdom. And, and not only has he called you into his kingdom, but that there's a specific purpose and a role that he has for you. Amen. You know, I remember when I was uh, younger... I was in a junior high and I was I was uh, a part of a school play. Now I, I'm not very I'm, I'm not very good at acting or anything like that, but I heard that there was going to be a school play and that if you if you played in the play or if you played a role that you could get out of school. <laughs> so I was all about acting. I was like, all right, cool, I can miss class for this. All right, perfect. And uh, so I went and tried out for the school play and they they ended up giving me a role in the play. And uh, the, the play was about this, you know, big old story. But there was this one part at the end of the, the play where the person was in front of a jury and, and I was a corrupt juror. And at the end of the play, they found me out and pointed me out in the courtroom. And I was supposed to get up and run out of the room. And that was my only part. I had no speaking lines. <laughs> but I'll never forget, there was one night where the play was going on. It was a pretty big production. It was very well done. And um, it was a great play and all that stuff, but it was it was the night it was it was the opening night for the play. And at the very beginning of the play, the guy that was doing the stage setup was trying to spray paint something, and he ended up uh, accidentally knocking off the tip of the spray paint can right next to me, and the spray paint can black paint exploded all over my face. <laughs> I'm a pretty white guy, <laughs> and half of my face is now black. I'm like, oh my gosh, He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I mean, it was in my hair. I actually had hair at that point. <laughs> it's in my hair. It was in my, my eyebrow, all over my skin. And then the play is about to start. Wow. <laughs> what am I going to do? And spray paint doesn't come off very easily, so we're trying to get it off. It's not coming off. What am I going to do? If you ever did you know, painting or anything like that, you ever see how your, your hands get all messed up? So my, uh, uh, the stage guy, the, my friend, he found a thing of gasoline. <laughs> that should do it. And he knew that gasoline actually does remove paint. It does. <laughs> and so he goes, okay, I know what we can do. We can, we can take it off with gasoline. And so he started dousing this rag or sock or whatever it was with gasoline and started wiping my face off. And so, I, I kid you not, I, I was old. I mean, I, I literally smelled like gasoline. If somebody had been smoking next to me, I would have erupted in flames. <laughs> but we eventually got it off, and then it was my turn. And we got it off right before I was supposed to go out and, and act out my part. And luckily, I was able to go out and do it. But, I, I mean, I smelled like gas. The whole auditorium smelled like gasoline. <laughs> What's my point? When you have a role given to you, you do whatever it takes. Wow. Amen. To remove the stain so that you could fulfill the purpose and the role that you're given. 
You know, I believe God has a role for each of us. Yeah. And it's our job to answer that calling and to remove the stain from our lives so that we can fulfill the purpose that God has for each and every one of us. You know, if you're, you're visiting with us, it, it's no accident that you're here. Yeah. It's no accident that you're here. God has purpose for you to be here. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that. Well, just read Acts 17, 26 through 28. That God determines the times and the places for you. That God determines where you're going to be and when you're going to be there. Well, ultimately, to give you the very best possible way for you to seek God and find Him. That, that God has created an opportunity for you. You ever hear people go, well, what if what if I'm really trying to follow God and I'm on my way to get baptized and as I'm on my way to get baptized, I'm hit by a car and I'm dead. <laughs> Will God save me? Well, I don't know because I'm not God. But, but secondly, I don't think that that situation will exist. Because I believe that God gives everybody the, the most opportune way for them to come into his kingdom. That he determines the right time and the right place for every single person. It's our job just simply to respond to that. You know, I forget, uh, there was a, a, a girl that we had been reaching out to in Hawaii for quite a while. And, uh, you know, we kept on inviting her to church. She was very religious, but, but you know, worked on Sundays and would never come to church. And we kept seeing her on campus. We kept inviting her. And she would just never come. Well, eventually, Melissa, which is where her name was, ended up going hiking in one of the, the big valleys in Hawaii. And as she was hiking with her friends, and this is a, a very, I mean, it's huge valley. You have, to, you have to use a four-wheel drive to get down into the valley and four-wheel drive to get out of the valley. Or if you don't have a car, you hike in and you hike out. But it's a, it's a very long hike. And as she was down there in the valley, she was hiking in one of the, the hikes, and she was up against this rock face. And she put her hand up on the rock face to grab on a rock, and a 200-pound boulder came down that rock face, rolling down, and smashed her hand against the rock. It left her fingers hanging off her hand. I mean, blood's everywhere. She's freaking out. Her friends are freaking out. You know, I would have been freaking out if I was there. And she's there, and she's got this problem. Turns out, believe it or not, the only orthopedic surgeon. Okay, now, if you don't know what that is, it's the person that fixes your hands. The only one on the entire island just, quote, so happened to be there in the valley. Not a part of her group, but was there in the valley and saw it happen. Wow. He had a four-wheel drive vehicle, so he put her in his, his truck, drove her to the hospital, and performed the surgery on her hand by himself. Wow. Incredible. You go, how could that be God? Well, now she's got this messed up hand and she can't work on Sundays. <laughs> and so the next time we invited her to church, she goes, Sure, why not? <laughs> she comes to church. She loves it. She studies the Bible, and two weeks later, Melissa was baptized. Amen. And just a couple of years after that, she became my sister-in-law because she married my younger brother, who was the disciple. Absolutely. God determines the times and places. God has a plan. He has a purpose for our lives. Yeah. But you got to ask, am I answering the purpose? Am I answering the calling of God? And by fulfilling the plan that he has for my life. You know, I think for us, it's time for us to answer the call. If you're facing with it, it's time to answer the call. It's time to remove the stain and to let God's divine providence dictate your life. Only then can you be anchored down and not drift away, missing the heart. Missing the great salvation that God has for us. My second point is divine petition. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 5. Come on, Evan. Come on, Evan. In Hebrews 5 and verse 5, the Bible says, In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are priests forever in the order of Melchizedek. Isn't that cool? The Bible says that even Jesus had to be appointed high priest by God. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, Mm-hmm. He offered up prayers and petitions mm-hmm. with fervent cries and tears mm-hmm. to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard 
because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. You know, I can't think of any other scripture that, that really, I think, illuminates the suffering and the struggle of Jesus while human on earth. Yeah. The Bible says during his, his time on earth with loud cries, with fervent cries and tears, he offered up prayers and petitions to the one who could save him. God could save him from it. But the Bible says he learned obedience from suffering. Just think about that for a second. Jesus was perfect. But the Bible says he wasn't always perfect. Go, wait, what are you saying, bro? We know that he was sinless. But God did not consider him perfect until he experienced suffering and was still perfect. Wow. Wow. He had to experience suffering so that his obedience would be tested. And then God goes, okay, he, he now became perfect. He learned obedience through suffering. You know, the, the, the term or the word fervent means enthusiastic or passionate. Isn't it funny how we're so drawn to passionate people? And I remember one time I had a buddy that was selling Cutco knives. You ever see those cut yeah. knives? It's like that multi-level marketing yeah. thing. Don't ever, don't ever get into that. Yeah, I'm too late, And uh, I, I, I was a college student. He was a broke college student, but they showed him how to, to conduct this sales pitch for Cutco knives. And uh, you know, it was, it was the craziest thing in the world. And I, I literally drove him from, from person to person so he could do his little presentation <laughs> with these knives. And I mean, there's one point where he pulls out a coin, he cuts through the coin with the like, scissors, and goes, see. There's nothing like these Cutco scissors. They can cut through coins because you're going to do this all the time. <laughs> and, and, and because of his passion as a salesman, people bought these things. I mean, a set of knives is like 900 bucks, a thousand bucks. And the selling point is this is a lifetime guarantee. They will be in your family for generations, generations after that, you know, years down the road, you know, in, in uh, 3,000 BC or like AD, 3,000 AD, there are going to be generations that still have these knives because of the wow. lifetime guarantee that we offer you. And you, you kind of get sold on these things, these thousand dollar knives. Now, how many of you guys have ever seen someone pass on knives to their family members? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But my parents got suckered into the mind these knives and their knives broke within like a year. But but because they're so passionate, we're drawn to them. That's true. Ever wonder why sometimes people are not drawn to us? Oh. That's true. People are drawn to passion. But what sometimes as disciples we can lack passion. Why? Because a passionate life comes from a passionate prayer life. A passionate life starts with a passionate prayer life. Now, it's one thing to be passionate when everything's going well. Right? We, we all have passionate prayers when things are going well. Yeah. God, you're amazing. It's amazing. I got my tax return back. It's $3,000. God, you're so awesome. Great point. It's another thing to go through suffering and to still maintain a passionate life. Wow. That's true. That, that's really the test. Everybody can be a Christian when things are going well. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. The test of Christianity is how passionate are you? How faithful are you when things are tough? When things are hard? And, and I put before you that Jesus was able to be passionate even during the most challenging times of his life. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? You remember that prayer? Yeah. Three times he pleaded with God to take the, the cup from him. Mm-hmm. But then he goes, rise, let us go, here comes my betrayer. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love how the Bible puts exclamation points. Rise, exclamation point. 
Let us go, exclamation point. Here comes my betrayer, exclamation point. Mm -hmm. He was able to get passionate, even about going to the cross, mm -hmm. because he had a passionate life of prayer with God. Mm -hmm. With loud cries and tears, he prayed to God, and God gave him strength to live out his will. You know, I went I went scuba diving a while back. Uh, I had a friend that, that was a scuba diver and he used to catch aquarium fish. And I learned this concept from him because he, he took me scuba diving. It was probably the most interesting experience of my life. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I had grown up in Hawaii and I'd, I'd grown up around people that had gone scuba diving. And, and I'd always wanted to try it. But, you know, from my understanding, you had to go through weeks or, or months of, mm -hmm. of scuba diving classes and certifications to be allowed to go scuba diving. And so one day when he told me that he could take me, I was surprised. I go, bro, I thought that you had to go through like months of classes for this. He goes, nah, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, I'm your scuba diver, you're a disciple, I trust you. So, so my brother and I went with him to experience scuba diving for the first time, and I'll never forget this experience. We were on his boat, his little tiny boat, going out to the spot he was going to take a scuba dive. And on the way out there, he was teaching us about scuba diving. Perfect timing. <laughs> he goes, well, okay, so you, you know, you got this regulator right here, and it's going to tell you how much air you got in your tank. And a couple of things that you, you got to really be cautious about is if you're underwater and you come up too fast, nitrogen can build up in your blood, and you can get what's called a bends, and you could die. Good <laughs> Repeat that one more time. <laughs> Are you saying that I could die? Yeah, you don't want to come up too fast. You're really going to come up slow. What's too fast? Oh my gosh, this is serious. He goes, also, you got to make sure that you watch your regulator because that's going to tell you how much air you have left. And if you don't have enough air, then you know, you're going to die. Wow, bro. I can see why they go through months of certifications. <laughs> He goes, you know, uh, by the way, uh, Evan, uh, everybody else has a regulator on their tanks, but for you, your tank doesn't have one in the front. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I go, uh, you help. Bro, uh, I don't have a regulator on my tank to show me when I'm going to run out of air, so how am I going to know when I run out of air? He goes, oh, bro, don't worry, you'll know. <laughs> okay. I'm going to trust you. He goes, well, uh, just to help you out, I'll, I'll stay really close to you. And as you go underwater, I'll stay, and I'll watch. There is a regulator on the back of your tank, and so I'll, I'll stay close, and I'll look at it every once in a while to make sure you have enough air. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> well, when you get in the water, it's an eerie feeling because you're weighted down. And anybody who's scuba dive can know, relate to this. You're weighted down, and so as soon as you get in the water, you get everything together, and, and you start to sink. <laughs> and you're watching life as you know it start to go... <laughs> <laughs> he was just sinking. And I found out a few things, you know, really quickly. Number one is how awesome air is. <laughs> I, I really didn't realize how awesome air is until wow. you know I have it. I mean, you kind of take, you don't even think about breathing. But when you start scuba diving, you're underwater and you're living in this environment that you're not meant to live in. You, you literally have to, no joke, you have to suck the air out of the scuba thing. It doesn't just come out. You have to... I liken it to sucking a milkshake through the McDonald's straw. It's like... It's hard. Oh, one drop of ice cream. I mean... And, and as you get closer to running out of air, it gets harder and harder to suck that air out of the tank. And so that's how you know you're running out of air. And by the time you get done with one breath, you already need to go back for a second one. I mean, that's where you got to get up. The second thing I learned is this concept called equalizing. And what it is, is as you go lower in the water, the water pressure becomes greater externally, and you have to match the external pressure through changing your internal pressure. And you do that by holding your nose and blowing until your ears pop. If not, your ears will begin to really hurt. And I thought about that and I go, this is so, this is so like life. Number one is we're here in this world we're living in an environment that we're not meant to be. We're meant to be in heaven. And unless we have air, if we have some connection to the Spirit of God, we're not going to survive down here. 
in addition to that, there are pressures that we feel in this world. And there's a difference between external pressure and inner anxiety. If we don't respond to the external pressures or challenges that we have through equalizing in prayer, we're going to be overcome by them, and we're going to live a very painful existence as a Christian. Wow. It's by divine petition, prayer and petition, with loud cries and tears, that we can be anchored down as Christians and not drift away, missing the harbor, missing the great salvation that God has given to us. Amen? Amen. My third point is divine principles. I know we're running a little bit long here. Let's go to Hebrews 5. In Hebrews 5 and 11, You know, honestly, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make clear to you because you are no longer trying to understand. Well, thanks, Paul. Or thanks, a Hebrew writer. We have a lot to say, but we don't think you're going to get it. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid fruit. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. Can you imagine if, if someone here in the marriage ministry was still breastfeeding? Oh my God. Uh, That's rough. Awesome. That's rough. <laughs> <laughs> Go play, man. <laughs> was still trying to live on milk? Now, pardon, pardon the, the weirdness of that. <laughs> But we would think that that's a bad situation. Yeah, very bad. There's a there's a massive problem with that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes disciples can grow spiritually, mm-hmm. and still be milk-fed disciples. Wow. He goes, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings of Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and a faith in God, instructions about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment and God permitting, we will do so. He goes, you know, there's a big difference between someone who's just kind of aged as a disciple and somebody who's matured as a disciple. A mature disciple, according to the Bible, is someone that not only is capable of teaching, the elementary truths of God's word. But is teaching Amen. the elementary truths of God's word. See, sometimes I think we get that little twist and we go, yeah, I know how to teach the discipleship study. Well, it's not a matter if you know how to do it. It says that by constant use, they've trained themselves. It's a matter of whether or not you are doing it. Mm-hmm. A mature disciple is someone who is capable and is teaching the truths of God's word over and over again. But maturity has nothing to do with age. And also maturity as a disciple is self-taught. It says by constant use, they have what? Trained themselves. That we're responsible for our own maturity as Christians. Amen. Isn't that interesting? You know, it's, it's said that eagles... When they prepare their nests for their young, they put very, very uncomfortable material, very, very rigid material at the bottom of the nest, and then they cover it with a very, very soft material, oftentimes fur, uh, leaves, things like that, that provide a cushion over the uncomfortable material. But as their their little chicklets or eaglets, I guess they're not chickens, so they're not chicklets, (laughs) their little eaglets grow, they start plucking the softer material away, exposing the rigid, uncomfortable material, so that the little eaglets are motivated to leave the nest and fly. You see, too often, what we like the comfort of the nest, mm-hmm. and we don't want to fly as Christians, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we refuse to be pushed or push ourselves or even be pushed to force ourselves to grow into maturity. You know, one of the couples I really want to lift up is just Tony and Vita. Yeah! Come on, You know, uh, Tony and Vita uh, have been disciples for now, uh, I think, almost six years. Six years. 
And, uh, you know, for, for a while, it was really heavily on their heart that they had not been fruitful with another married couple. Now, Tony has been involved in endless amounts of studies. Vita has been involved with endless amounts of studies. But she, they, they felt a lot about not being fruitful themselves, mm. not having somebody that they've reached out to, that they've studied the Bible with, uh, and not feeling like they've been successful as disciples. And uh, I, I think about a year and a half ago, we, we started a Bible talk together in their home. And it was really fun to, to, to see them really go after growing. Mm. Uh, they literally just were open books. Hey, teach us how to do this. We want to grow. We want to we want to improve. We want to be fruitful. Uh, and they their Bible talk is awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I think it. You know, in some ways we haven't we haven't been able to enjoy their Bible talk because we've been virtual for the last <laughs> eight months. But but their Bible talk was awesome. I mean, we were having visitors every week to Bible yeah. talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the atmosphere was inviting and warm, and they had great food every week. Yes. And uh, what was really exciting is that this past uh, summer, they were able to study the Bible and get Frank and Ashley baptized. And not only that, but they're very close to having Paulo and Maria baptized. And it's incredible in some ways to to see the joy on Tony and Vita's face. Now they're tired. (laughs) Don't mistake their their fatigue for a lack of joy. They're fired Because finally they've been pushed out of the nest and they're starting to fly as little eaglets. Come on. Yay. Awesome. Flex those things, bro. Flex. That's why I'm going to do way safer. PMI. Are you still? Still in the nest as a disciple. Wow. Oh man. Or are you starting to really fly? Are you starting to really help other people? Just like you were once helped. Amen. You don't really appreciate what's done for you until you start trying to do it for someone else. Yes. The time and the effort, the attention, dealing with all of our shenanigans. <laughs> I mean, I had so much drama in my life when I studied the Bible. The, the guy who studied the Bible with me had to put up with so many different weird questions, <laughs> attitudes, issues. <laughs> Even as a young Christian, I mean, I flat lied to the guy who was discipling me. Several times I had to go back and confess to him, bro, I, I lied. Let's just be open. I'm just trying to help you. But you don't know what's been done for you until you start doing it for other people. Wow. Mm-hmm. But are you pushing yourself into maturity? Or are you still trying to enjoy the comfort of the nest? The comfort of, of having somebody else meet all your needs, mm-hmm. but not meeting anybody's needs yourself. Wow, the comfort of being disciple, but not trying to disciple anyone else. Mm-hmm. The comfort of being encouraged, but not encouraging. Mm-hmm. Great point. Yeah. It's time to leave the nest and move on towards maturity. Number four, divine purpose. Come on, boy. Let's keep going. Hebrews 6. Come on, Evan. Now, this is where it gets a little scary. In verse 4 of chapter 6, it says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, and the powers of coming age, and who have fallen away, to be brought back to repentance. Hmm. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and are subjecting him to public disgrace. Mm-hmm. You know, at first glance, the scripture seems to teach that people can't come back if they've fallen away. Mm-hmm. Well, in some ways, that contradict the parable of the prodigal son. Yeah. And we know that all of the disciples fell away before Jesus' crucifixion. and mm-hmm. Peter was restored as well as other the other ten. Judas, of course, was, was not. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't seem to line up. I've heard some people say, well, that's because, you know, uh, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So even though it says it's impossible right here, it's still possible with God. Now, that's that's actually a bad explanation of the scripture, because there are several other things that Hebrew says that's impossible for God that you, you couldn't really use that argument for. For example, chapter 6, verse 18, it says it's impossible for God to lie. So you can't say, well, what's possible with, or what's impossible with man is possible with God. That doesn't, that doesn't work. No or chapter 10, verse 4, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Yeah, but what's impossible with man is, is possible with God. Well, it doesn't work. Well, what is he saying right here? He's saying that there is a point 
what we call something a fallaway that Jesus does not call a fallaway. There is a point that people can get to where they no longer have the heart to come back. And that's what God really calls a fallaway. Somebody that no longer has a heart to come back. You see, for everybody else, God still sees a path for them and believes that they're going to come back. I believe. And so, wasn't it awesome to see Alex Romoho come back? And I think what's incredible about that is that she really represents something special for our little baby church here in Toronto. Yeah. The first person who was baptized here fell away here and then goes, I don't want the world. I want to go back. Amen. <laughs> I now remember why I got baptized in the first place. Um, Amen. And she came back, and now that she's come out of Egypt, went back to Egypt a second time to come back, she goes, Man, I forgot, now I remember. <laughs> and she's completely different. She's completely different. She's been restored Amen. to the kingdom of God. Keep on going in verse 7. Now, look at this. Land that, drinks rain in the, land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to, to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. <laughs> Bro, I thought this was an encouraging lesson. <laughs> I mean, he just talks about falling away and then brings up this concept of being fruitful. You know, the, the rain that the Hebrew writer uses right here in Isaiah talks about God sending the rain, the word of God, down to earth. And that the word of God produces what God in t- intends for it to produce. So it's always the water right here represents the word of God. Same thing can be said for the parable of the sower. The good soil is what produced fruit when responding to the word of God. And so what's the concept being presented right here? That as a disciple, if you're not evangelizing the world, if you're not producing fruit or about your purpose, then you're on the path to falling away. And you will eventually get to a point, if you don't repent, of never coming back. Wow. <laughs> the bottom line is either you're evangelizing the world or you're being evangelized by the world. That's what the Bible's saying right here. Someone who is not on a mission is on the path to falling away. Wow. You know, in chapter uh, 5 goes on, in verse 9 it says, Even though we speak like this, dear friends. <laughs> Way to lay it on us, Hebrew writer. <laughs> Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. Because I don't think this is going to be anybody here. We're all going to be fruitful. Amen. Amen. We're going to stay faithful. Amen. He says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence at the very end. So we, what, what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy but to imitate those through who faith and patience inherit what has been promised. You know, the fundamental reason right here that the Hebrew writer says we don't fulfill our purpose is because we're lazy. Hmm. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Because if you're not making disciples, if you're not about your purpose, if you're not sharing your faith and sending the Bible with people, it's really just because you're lazy. We like to believe that's not true. But to some degree, it's true for all of us. Yeah. Come on, bro. You with me right here, guys? Yeah. You know, I really appreciate um, the fact that we're a part of a worldwide movement. And we get to hear about things happening in other places. Yeah. And recently, we were emailed because there were three brothers in, I don't want to get this wrong, Bajumbara, Africa. Is that how you said? Yeah. Bajumbara, it's in Burundi. 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 Mm-hmm. And these three brothers, Amadou, Vanance, the... Bujumbara, leader, <laughs> butchering it, and Felix, the intern for Abidjan, were, were preaching the word, but one of the guys that, that did not respond to the word of God started persecuting them and riled up the police and paid the police to go and arrest them. They were arrested and put in prison. Despite the fact that Amadou had preached at the vice president's um, headquarters or office just prior to that, but they were arrested and put into prison. Despite that, that week, they had 200 visitors at church, and they baptized 40 people into Christ. Wow. Wow. 
Wow. Forty people. I mean, there's a picture with this line of people in the ocean. I don't know how they dumped all forty of them all at one time like a line. Use the wave. Wow. Come on. I have to believe that if in Bujumbura, Baromni, they could baptize 40 people with their leaders being put in prison. Hmm. I mean, we don't have to worry about people putting us in prison here in Canada. No. It's a religious right yeah. for us to preach. I have to believe that we could have just as much or if not greater impact if we choose not to give in to laziness. Come on. But we've got to accept God's divine purpose for our lives. To seek and save the lost. If you're not evangelizing the world, the world's going to evangelize you. And we will not be anchored down in our purpose and therefore drift away from the great salvation. Our final point, divine promises. Wow. Hebrews 6. I, I know everybody's hungry. Uh, in verse 12. I, I want to make sure that I... I at least finish off with this encouraging last minute. Come on, bro. Divine promises. This first book. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those through who faith and patience inherit what? What has been promised. Isn't that awesome? One of the cool things about the Bible it is the Bible has countless examples of people who through faith and perseverance inherited the reward that God had for their lives. And the same promise that God offered to them is offered to us. And so we go down to verse 19. We have this hope, the promise, as an anchor for the soul. Not shaky. Not up in the air, but firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That's a whole different lesson. What an incredible day that we get to inherit a promise, the promise of God, the promise that was offered to many before us and will be offered to many after us. That we get to live eternally in heaven with God. And this isn't some wishful thinking. This isn't a fantasy. This is a promise firm and secure. You know, I watched a, a movie the other night uh, called Tapedon. What? Yeah. Butter, 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 butterfly, 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 butterfly. Papillon, yeah. Papillon. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> but it explains the, way the, the reason why you did a butterfly tattoo. <laughs> and apparently it's, it's based on a true story. Famous book. Movie came out in 2017, but it was recently put on Netflix. And I saw it like, oh, finally something good got put on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I watched it. And the, and the story was about this guy uh, who was a, a thief. He was a, a uh, safe cracker, and he was hired through a mob, but, but he ended up getting set up by the mob and framed for murder. And so he was sentenced to a French prison in French Guyana. And this is not a, not a good place. Um, in French Guyana, it's a rough place for them to, to be at, and a very little oversight. In the movie, when he gets there, the warden makes this big speech in front of all the new prisoners. And he literally says this. He goes, I, I know many of you thinking are, are thinking about escape. Feel free to try whenever you like. Our guards will take great pleasure in shooting you. Whoa. If you manage to make it past our guards, there are two other guardians who are always on duty. The bush, where, it is, where the best think, or where the best thing that can happen to you is that you starve. Or you can choose the sea. The white sharks are always hungry. If you manage to survive your first attempt... You'll get two years in solitary where you can't speak. Total silence for two years. On your second attempt, you'll get five years in solitary. On your third attempt, you'll get a life sentence at Devil's Island, which is a separate island where you just put people and they leave them and they drop off food every once in a while. And in the movie, this guy who had been framed for murder ends up befriending this, this really nerdy guy who was wealthy. And they kind of team up 
And he tries to escape the first time, and just by, by random chance, ends up getting caught. Mm-hmm. Oh. Goes back and endures two years of total silence. Mm-hmm. Most people go insane. Yeah. Total silence, two years. Can't talk, can't even be around people that talk. He still tries to escape the second time. This time he's got a much more elaborate plan with his friend. And they manage to get out, but then they're recaptured in Colombia. Mm-hmm. Go back, now he's put in, in solitary for five years. But the warden's just ticked off at this guy at this point, so he sentences them, in addition to that, to Devil's Island. So he gets out of solitary fires, goes to, goes to Devil's Island, and finds his friend there at Devil's Island. At this point, they're there, and once again, after trying to escape twice already, he goes, i got to get off this island. <laughs> wow. His friend at this point has accepted his destiny, accepted his punishment. And so his friend no longer wishes to try to escape. But Papillon... Uh, eventually makes a raft, jumps off of a cliff, (laughs) lands, gets on the raft, and and floats, the current takes him on this raft to somewhere else where he ends up surviving. Wow. And it's a really cool movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought about this, and I go, man, in some ways, that's what the Christian life is like. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're all in French Guyana in a prison. (laughs) We're not framed. We're actually guilty. Whoa. We're actually guilty. Different than Papillon. We're actually guilty. And here we are trying to escape. And many people have already accepted their lot. And no longer are even trying to escape. And for those people, this is the best it gets for them. But for us, like Papillon, we, we keep on trying. We keep on fighting. We yep. keep on persevering, and by faith, Amen. we will eventually find our freedom yeah. and inherit what God has promised. Wow. Isn't that awesome? And we're going to float away like a little butterfly. <laughs> this morning, I just want to encourage you to be anchored down by these five things. To be anchored down by divine prophets, that God selected you for a purpose. God has brought you here for a purpose. To be anchored down by divine petition. Through prayer and petition, we can have a passionate life from a passionate prayer life. To to be anchored down in divine principles. Those first principles that that lead us into maturity. Mm -hmm. To be anchored down by our divine purpose to seek and save the lost. And finally, to be anchored down in God's divine promise that we will eventually escape this prison like Papillon and inherit eternal life. With that, guys, let's go to God in prayer for communion. Father God, we're so grateful just to be able to come before you this morning, God, uh, really just the beneficiary of so much of your mercy. Uh, God, unlike Papillon in the, in the movie, God, we are absolutely guilty uh, for everything and, and beyond what we experience here on earth, God. Uh, we deserve so much worse. And yet, God, because of your incredible grace, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we, we not only get to live incredible lives as Christians, uh, but, God, that we get to be rescued and escape this world, this prison, and, and live eternally with you in heaven. What an incredible thing, God. God, we know that we, we have that opportunity because of the sacrifice of your perfect son, who was made perfect through his suffering. God, we thank you for the, the body that was broken for us, we thank you for the blood that was shed for us, God. We pray that we can honor Jesus' sacrifice through just living our lives in, a, in an equally, not, not, not equal in the sense of the value of the sacrifice, but equal in the sense of our heart is just to give back. God, we pray that we can glorify you, that we can live for you, that we can please you, and that ultimately we can be anchored down for you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
We'll be singing song number 704. <clears throat> Encourage my soul. Encourage my soul. sharing so vulnerably. I was trying to put myself in your shoes and I was not able. <laughs> I couldn't, you know, like, you know, like, uh, get, you know, like, the, the emotional, like, gist of it because this is so much to endure, you know, and uh, knowing that you went through even harder after that. Uh, in many ways, you know, like, uh, it, it is uh, such an incredible uh, testimony of your faith and your courage as a woman as a daughter of God, and uh, thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably. I respect you uh, very much, sister. You are amazing. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Evan, for uh, sharing the word with us today. Um, uh, you know, like I was looking at those five, you know, like points, and it's kind of, uh, it's like a hand, you know, and it's kind of the hand of God coming to us, you know, and uh, divine providence, uh, probably the thumb, you know, like, <laughs> you know. Divine petition, because we're very small, you know. Divine principle, you know, we need the index in our lives, you know, to show us the way, for sure, you know. Like, divine purpose, you know, this is, you know, like the major, you know, it's, it's if we don't seek and save the lost, we lose ourselves, you know, like, uh, and finally, divine, uh, and the last one is uh, divine promises, you know, we cannot forget, you know, like, the weaker finger, you know, like, but it, it is so important, you know, and, you know, when I look at this, I'm like, um, we we cannot we cannot uh, we cannot do all this all the time. You know, like there's too much there. So I think that what we can do today, at, before leaving, is rethinking really the time. You know, to examine which of the fingers the weakest in our hands. You know, like if you are visiting us today, you know, and you are like you are questioning this call for you. You need to explore divine providence. You know, for your life, you need to take the time. As Evan said, you're not here by chance. There's a reason why you're here, and God is calling you. Maybe your prayer life is very weak, and this is why you've lost your zeal and your passion. Then you need to resuscitate, resurrect, you know, like your your your, your prayer life. 
maybe you know you're not teaching the scriptures to others and therefore you know like you need to go about you know like being a fisher of men and committing to discipleship even more courageously uh, etc and i want to encourage you guys to really choose one thing one of those five and leave with this you know like today and make the decision this week to put it in practice and go for it fully seeking to be accountable with the people that you know like are close to you so this is not like just a nice message Mm -hmm. but you know like it bears fruit in your life so i I beg you i beg you take this seriously and obey the scripture and you will see the blessing of god you know through it all Amen? amen so in a couple of seconds we will you know like share a good meal together which is very encouraging and before we eat i propose that we stand up we pray together and then isaiah will lead us in the last song amen. before we fill our mouth and our stomachs amen so let's stand up Uh, thank you so much, God, for uh, this uh, beautiful uh, Sunday morning, and what a gorgeous week we had. Uh, it feels like in June, Father, yeah. we, it's very hard to understand, but we know, God, through this beautiful weather that you show us your mercy. You want to encourage us in a time of uh, trial and struggles, you know, for uh, all the nations, Father. We are in a, in a place of vulnerability. And in a certain way, you, you are telling us to go outside and to uh, rejoice in the beauty of your creation and to share your love with other human beings since this world is so much in distress yep. and need of you, Father. Uh, thank you so much, Father, for providing uh, uh, through our hearts, you know, with your word today. Thank you for Evan and Kelly who lead us. Father, thank you so much for their leadership and their faith. I pray, God, that you continue to strengthen them and strengthen also Tony and, and Vida, our dear shepherds that we love so dearly. Uh, thank you so much for uh, Kevin and Brittany who leads the campus, Isaiah Deshara who leads the singles ministry. Uh, thank you so much, Father, for uh, allowing us to be a family and to build that unity. I pray, God, that you help us to pick one finger of all this mighty hand that you've shared with us today so we can really be transformed and changed as we put in practice what we have learned. Thank you so much for the food. We love you so much. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, Isaiah. Family and ensembles will be singing song number 385. What a fellowship. Song number 385. What a fellowship. What a fellowship. What a joy divine everlasting arms what a blessedness what a peace is mine leaning on the everlasting arms leaning on my Jesus leaning on my Jesus safe and secure from all alarms leaning on my Jesus leaning on my Jesus leaning on the everlasting arms oh how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning on my Jesus, leaning on my Jesus, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning on my Jesus, leaning on my Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so dear. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning on my Jesus, leaning on my Jesus. Safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning on my Jesus, leaning on my Jesus. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning on my Jesus, leaning on my Jesus. Safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning on my Jesus, leaning on my Jesus. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, my God. 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 O
Hey, 